Oh, yeah, I'm kind of getting the hang of this now. Kind of catching my flow. Uh, Tevin West, back here with the Tevin West Podcast until I find a better name to give it. So, you know, I'll really just, when I come up here and you know, talk about certain things, it's really just talking about things that I like in my life and just not rambling, but really just, it's good to get conversation out of your chest, you know what I mean? And I don't know about you, but I talk to myself a lot. And I thought the best way to get this out would instead of just talking to air uh, uh, or talking to God, I, I, I believe in God personally, uh, I would just, you know, use it on a different platform. And so uh, I thought I'd do it in the medium of a podcast. And I want to tell you a little story about how I came upon this particular uh podcast and and why why i'm doing it so i majored in uh communications at middle georgia state college i'm from runner robbins so that's a local college i was playing soccer there they had a podcast they uh for, for one of the classes i can't remember what it was but we had to do a podcast and it was a, around halloween and so i did the podcast it was cool go on down the line um i i start playing, you know, semi-professional indoor soccer for the, for the Columbus Rapids. And uh, Richard Holdridge, who is our game day announcer, uh, he also does our Off the Walls podcast that's on Spotify. Um, he invited me onto his podcast uh, a few times, which it's also like not only on Spotify, but it's on Anchor as well. So uh, he got me on there. We got to talking about life, sports, and all of the above, and what the season was going to be like, um, and so I, I was like, man, you know, I, I really feel like I can do this, and, uh, and so also, like, the final nail and the affirmation was, um, I really believe in, like, signs from God, right, so I'm going, like, to take out the trash, and, like, I find this pod- podcast mic by the garbage, fully boxed up, it's on podcast microphone, and so I was like, man, this, this might be, like, a sign from God, like, that I should take this and do something with it. And whether whether it's, you know, a hobby or whether it becomes something, it doesn't really matter to me. I just thought it'd be good you know, as a hobby. Um, you know, it's something to do, like, when I'm around the house. And also, like, you know, um, my soccer career is coming to an end after this season. And so I thought that not only would I do that, but I would chronicle my soccer career while talking about my life because it has soccer intertwined in it while doing this podcast as well. So it's a win-win, right? So um, as I'm out here, I'm doing the podcast uh, on my balcony in my apartment. And uh, I was just scrolling through Facebook, and I saw um, a kid I used to coach in travel soccer, um, Ronald Shipman. He was playing uh, junior college football for, uh, I think it was Gordon State College. He was a punter. He's a, he is a punter. And they ended up winning the JUCO National Championship against the JUCO affiliate Ohio State team, which is pretty awesome in my mind. Uh, never got, I was in JUCO. I was in JUCO system at Middle Georgia College before it became Middle Georgia State University NAIA. But uh, he won the JUCO National Championship, went through all the, you know, the 
playoff qualifications and won it. And I thought that was pretty neat. So I just found out that he's uh, committed to GMC football. So Georgia Military College football, which is also a JUCO. Uh, and they say that uh, uh, on the comments, they said, congratulations, Auburn is next. And uh, his father, Ronnie Shipman, said, it's fine with me. And I think that's a cool topic, interesting point I want to talk about is JUCOs transferring to Division One, And I think that most kids should start out JUCO because it gives them a sense of uh, stability and identity in who they are as a player. And it gives them some type of uh, uh, leg up as far as like maturity and sportsmanship and things of that nature that come with sports. And uh, I just think like, you know, as, as opposed to a person going to a uh, D2 school or D3 school or, or even a D1 or NAIA school and having to be a freshman there, most of the time you're going to, as a freshman, as a rook, you're going to sit the bench, you know, unless you're, you know, really talented and the coach favors you, you're going to sit the bench two years minimum. I mean, um, sometimes even all the way to your senior year, but I think it's important that why, why waste that time on the bench when you can go Juco and get all the experience you need and the leg up as far as mental and, you know, even physical, physically wise, and then come back, go or transfer into the, the, the big leagues, as they say, in, in amateur sports with um, uh, college, you know, four-year, four-year schools, and then already be able to submerge yourself into the identity, to the, to the style of play. And that goes for all sports. Just look at Cam Newton. Um, Cam Newton was at Florida. And for, for whatever reasons, he would had to go to a junior college and blend in Texas, and he broke all the records. He did all the things. He's an amazing athlete, but I thought the cool thing about it was him being able to go and re- kind of recreate himself in Juco College. That was the best thing he ever did for his career. Now, I'm not saying that the next year he was in Florida, he, he might have not been able to start over Tim Tebow, but, I mean, you're hard-pressed to start against Tim Tebow in his prime, was prime, basically. And so, unless you change positions. And uh, I thought that him doing that, was it gave him a leg up and it gave him some uh, stock. So he was able to go to Auburn as a four-year, in a four-year uh, school span. And he was able to do big things that won a national championship and then go on to the NFL. So I think that Juco, uh, I think that a lot of kids just started the Juco route. I feel like a lot of kids look down on the Juco route or they're just uninformed about it, you know. So much of our high school um, teaches, you know, just four-year college, four-year college, four-year college. And I feel like a lot of um, high school athletes are either uninformed or they're just, yeah, ignorant. Ignorant is the word. It's not a bad thing. And they possibly just kind of let it go by and they don't do any research and they let their parents do everything, maybe. Or they just kind of sit back and be like, it's, it's just going to happen. Well, it's not just going to happen. You need to, to to set yourselves right. And what are the what are the odds that you're gonna be able to get in a situation where you're going to a four year school and you're picked to go to be a star? Nonetheless, the scholarship, right? You know, you got. I think it's crazy. It's 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 actually really crazy. Like I had a friend who went to North Georgia, which is a D two school uh, in the NCAA in the PBC Peach Belt Conference. And soccer is one of the hardest conferences in the nation in D two. Um, I feel like if the PPC, all the teams of the PPC, uh, like shifted over to D one, the Peach Belt Conference shifted over to D one in soccer, it would be a like a formidable like, 
it will be a formidable like opponent. All of them, Young Harris, North Georgia, Clayton State, Flagler, even Georgia Southwestern will give you a run for your money. Um, Lander, I mean, young that's a Young Harris, but I feel like all those colleges would do that. But the point I'm trying to make is uh, I don't know how much of that school is go go to, but it's in the double digits when it comes to grand. So like 12 grand, 13 grand, something there. He was offered $1,000 on scholarship to go. So that means if he is going there on $1,000, he has to have hope to cover some of the other expenses and then whatever else grants he has or just taking out loans or paying with his own money. So that's kind of like ridiculous. And then also like when he got there, you know, he was, he was kind of on fire at first, you know, he, he got, he got, he, he not, not well favor, but he also was playing good, but then he went through a slump like many athletes do when they're freshmen in college. And uh, it got to a point where the coach put him at right back. Now he's a forward, um traditionally so when you get in when you get in college you know everybody's good and everybody sh- you know from what the coach sees everybody should be kind of interchangeable and so they put him at right back and he was just not really good right back so he ended up transferring to georgia top western which was at the time a not so good um team in the, in the peach Belt conference they are better now but you know he had to finish out his career there and it was pretty lackluster but i just say that to say like i feel like kids should uh, try their hand and get into a d1 planting themselves in there and that in that culture and and getting themselves established getting to learn who they are as a as a as a college athlete getting their studies on there you know a lot of kids when they train when they get to college if they were good students their studies fall by the wayside just because of the demands like if you're if you're there's one thing to be a student in college and, you know, just regular student doing your thing. But it's another thing to be an intercollegiate athlete having to do the, you know, preseason um, and then regular practices on top of your work, you know. And I'm going to tell you something. It's hard to do your work after hours because a lot of the practices, they happen at like 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock. And then when you get done with the practices, the calf is closed. So a lot, not a lot of places have like athlete specific calves. So not only is the calf closed, but even if it's open, they don't have all the food that necessarily the good nutrition that an athlete might need. Not every facility has that. So you have to figure that out. Well, I feel like if you're in a JUCO situation, you can figure out how to how to how to make that work for you. It's going to take a good one to two years to do that. But if you're thrown into it, you know. All that stuff could affect you going forward, and you could struggle a lot. I'm not saying you won't struggle in JUCO, but it gives you more time to make your mistakes. Is all I'm saying. Um, so I'm just saying, you know, I'm proud of Trip for being able to get uh, making the right decision and going to another JUCO. Georgia Military College is a pretty good JUCO school. You know, he's going to get himself planted in there for that second year, get his get his feet rooted again, and possibly get to another national championship. From what I understand, he's a coffin corner. And if you don't know what a coffin corner is, a coffin corner is a puncher who's always able to get it down their opponent's 20, their opponent's 10, and even put their uh, putting their uh, defense in a good field position to often, you know, take the uh, offense to a safety, which is two points, 
or often get them off the field. And uh, the other punter is his, he's on his he's on his heels, so he's having to punt out of the end zone most of the time, where he's on twenty yards, on ten. So you give the offense good field position when it's all said and done. Punters are really, really uh, integral part of, uh, of football. So I'm glad that he he's he's doing that. So let's see here, what else we got here? Robert Griffin III believes Lamar Jackson is making the right decision for his long-term career. Well, yeah, Lamar Jackson. So Lamar Jackson is a quarterback for the Ravens. And, you know, long story short, he hurt his knee. I think he had like a PCL tear or strain or something of the nature of that. And he's basically not going to be able to play for the Baltimore Ravens in the playoffs. Well, the Baltimore Ravens, uh, you know, they they are not as good without Demar Jackson running the offense. Um, they got a couple guys on his backup that are can kind of emulate what he does, but not really. Um, and the offense is like set up directly for how Lamar Jackson does his thing. You know, RPOs and um, quick screens and quick checkdowns and um, the line blocking long enough for him to make his runs, you know, his rollouts, things that, that make him star-studded and uh, gives him, like, MVP-caliber-type seasons. And uh, a lot of people are saying that Lamar Jackson should should come back and play through the injury. But, you know, Robert Griffin III commented on it because Robert Griffin III had rushed himself back from injury, he has a similar injury um, with the Redskins, who are now the Commanders, and he did that, and he blew his knee out in that wild card game. So he pretty much, like, you know, sacrificed his career to come back in time for a playoff game that was pretty much meaningless in the end because they lost. And uh, uh, he says, Robert Griffin III said, this is why you don't just put a brace on it and play. Played with no ACL and LCL for my brothers slash team. Changed the trajectory of my career. Hindsight is twenty twenty. I didn't have the luxury of that. Lamar does. He is doing the right thing. I think he's doing the right thing, too. Because at the end of the day, if he doesn't play and he holds out, and it's not hold out, you know, just get himself healthy again, he can come back, better player, um, more healthier. And uh, they may not give him the long term deal that he wants that's what he wants he wants a long-term deal they might franchise tag him but at the end of the day he gets to save his career keep it intact and even if they want to let him go the uh the ravens have not been known to keep the good quarterbacks that they have them um they don't really focus on that like i mentioned in my last episode they focus on a lot of defensive stuff so they don't let him go i mean you can go to you know a lot of teams you know i don't really I, I don't count any situation or scenario out anymore. Ever since the uh, trade that happened with the Golden State Warriors and the Oklahoma City, Oklahoma City Thunder, where Kevin Durant basically uh, was traded to the Golden State Warriors and they pretty much made another super team. They didn't really need Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant just went to be a part, you know, not uh, to be just a cog and the machine that was the Golden State Warriors at the time. And um, ever since that happened, I just don't doubt anything can happen in sports with, with like, crazy trades. I really, like, when you think about it, like, it's kind of, it's kind of, like, 
America's behind in that with the super teams and stuff like that. Because in soccer, in the soccer world, they always do that. They do that all the time in the soccer world. Like, I remember when Cristiano Ronaldo um, was brought to Manchester United from a sporting, a, a sporting Lisbon, I think, or sporting CP um, in Portugal. And, man, Manchester United had a star-studded team, man. They had Ryan Giggs, uh, who was still at, still at a, a good playing rate. They had Paul Scholes. They had Wayne Rooney, who they had gotten from Everton not too long ago. Rio Ferdinand, Nemanja Vidic, uh, both anchor in the back, and they had a good two good le- left and a right back. Um, they had Nani as a winger as well. They brought him on. They had Anderson in the midfield when he was good. The list goes on and on, man. You can you can name it. Um, uh, 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 Antonio Valencia on the right wing. I mean, I just had a bunch of people. And then, so he went to an even bigger team, uh, what you could consider like a real all-star team just outfitted in one conglomerate, which is Real Madrid. Um, Real Madrid has been making super teams since the 1900s, man. I mean, Real Madrid has the most Champions Leagues, out of any team in the world, European championships. So, I mean, the super team thing is not old uh, or not new um, in sports. It's just kind of like it's newer for Americans. And I want to talk about something like in sports, American sports. It's kind of weird. Um, I think bad behavior is rewarded in America, uh, specifically in sports. Like, it's so backwards. Uh you don't see that in soccer. Uh, for example, the worst team um, in sports in America get the best draft picks. So they get a chance when they keep failing, they get a chance to pretty much bulk up their team and make it super team. So you got like, you know, 10 years of failing, 10 years of being at the bottom of the pit. You had the, the process Sixers where they had like pretty much like six or seven draft round, first round draft picks all planned, but they had no cohesiveness. And they just they just keep doing it. I mean, I know the I know the Bears have the number one pick in the draft this year. Um, you know, in soccer it doesn't work like that. If you're the worst team in soccer and and and, and not in America because America goes off of the uh, draft draft system, draft lottery system. So, but in like Europe and other countries. Uh, the worst team gets relegated. So not only do you not get the best players, but you get the worst situations for your job and your economics and everything falls. So the, if, if let's just say Manchester United gets relegated to the championship, which is the second highest division in, in English soccer. Now you went from having the best uh, cooks that you could hire to second rate cooks, because you're not able to get that money. It goes, it goes year by year. I mean, these teams are, you know, they are living season to season, you know, paying their bills, you know, unless you got wealthy, wealthy owners. But even then, a lot of the wealthy owners, they take their, they take their uh, financial gain and they just hold it and they put the club in debt. Um, I mean, you, you, you lose, you lose people who you maintenance the field, you lose people who upkeep the stadiums. I mean, you lose infrastructure, uh, and if you have a big infrastructure, then if you stay down in the in the lower leagues long enough, you might not be able to have the money to keep maintaining that infrastructure. So then you have to downsize, or maybe you have to move to a different stadium. It gets really ugly. It gets really dark for teams who stay relegated. You know what I mean? 
Um, the championship is still a, a big, big thing, you know, like what they call it, the playoff. Uh, the playoff is like the biggest game in English soccer. Uh, lots of bets are made on that. So um, it's still relatively good. It's still relatively good. But if you have a team, if you're like in Norway or something like that, and you're in the top division, you go to the second division, it, it could, it could, it's, it could very much like wane. You know what I'm saying? If you're in the Brazilian top flight in the Serie A, if you go to, you know, the second division of Brazil, uh, for a team like Cruzeiro, who I think is in the second division, they were in the top flight for a while, but I'm not sure if they're in the first division anymore, but things get ugly for them, you know, because the infrastructure is just different. Um, whereas in, uh, in, uh, in American sports, owners buy into a closed-in system. Let's see here. What else is on the list? I'm a sports guy. I'm really, really a sports guy. Yeah, that sucks, man. Um, uh, this guy from um, the UGA uh, National Championship team this year, uh, he lost his life in a car accident uh, not too long ago. That sucks, man. Um, let me see. Invisalign. I, I got some Invisalign already. I did that already. Uh, yeah, rat, I, you know, we can talk about music. Let me see. Let me, let me school y'all real quick. Here's the years of each of these goats. It's in their prime and was destroying all the other rappers. I know some of y'all going to hate, but. You know the motto, facts over feelings. Tupac, 1996, Jay-Z, 97, 2004, 2015, Drake, 2011, 2015, Future, 2015, 2018, Youngboy, 2018, 2022. Look, I, myself, am a, am a kind of like a, a middle-of-the-pack rap fan. Um, I know I know these guys. I know the music. Uh, I would say that's it's pretty it's pretty cool. Drake had that run that, that 2011, 2015 he did that especially at 2013 to like uh, 2013 to like 2016, I would say, like that Club Paradise, Days in the East, um, Summer 16, um, if you're reading this too late type deal. Future, Future's still cooking hot grease, man. Future had some of his best, uh, Future had some of his best hits, like, just recently, I feel like, uh, commercial-wise, I mean, um, that I Never Liked You album, I mean, that's kind of like, on that whole beast mode type vibe, you know, where 2015, summer 2015, was just like, like super high. I remember that album, uh, that mixtape, excuse me, um, Beast Mode. It was just like, it was amazing. And he ran it back again later on with the, um, with the Beast Mode too. Um, yeah, I, I like that. Uh, the new show that I'm watching, BMF, BMF season two, um, Black Mafia Family. It's about this, uh, two brothers that were in a drug dealing game in Detroit and they spread their operations out all over the United States. Um, is uh, Southwest T uh, or Terry, uh, Terry, Terry Flinnery and then Demetrius Flinnery or big Meech. I named my, let's see. I named my Guinea pig after big Meech. We call my Guinea pig, big Meech, um, me and my wife. So that was pretty cool. Um, I think that, uh, when it comes to shows like that, um, you can take it as like, yeah, they're glorifying um, drug dealing, but also like I feel like they also show you like, hey, this is like the consequences that could happen 
from you trying to live that type of lifestyle. It's very risky. I mean, there's nothing really to and those guys like you are you gotta wonder like how did they like survive all of this? How did they survive to get to the top like that? There's very few for every for every BMF there's you know thousands of you know conglomerates or you know groups that try to do that type of stuff illegal illegal uh you know getting money by illegal means and it just doesn't end up well i always say that legal money is the best money man there's no better feeling than cashing and and a, a legal check um it's just not worth it you know um although sometimes I'm, i feel like people feel like their surroundings and their environment uh make them do certain things i i don't know man i i i um i had a chance i had a, I had a choice to make i was working at kfc when i was 17 years old in 2011 and i realized like that wasn't what i wanted to do so i went to college i went to college to um to expand my horizon it was first for soccer and then you know i looked up and i had like three or four classes left when soccer was over and you know i mean it's a it was an arts degree i got so i felt like at the end of the day like the communication degree was a pretty useless degree but it opened doors uh, god opened doors for me and i was able to um expand my critical thought which is what i feel like is most important like you got to be able to have a certain type of critical thought process um and then you know just people believing in what you got going on um some people say like selling yourself but I don't know. I mean, I just, when I was, when I was, when I had ran into the opportunity to get a job working for the Air Force, it wasn't, it was just by happenstance. Like, it just happened to be like a situation where I felt like I was blessed by God to be introduced to that situation. And uh, I just kind of took it and ran with it. It was really frustrating at first because it was a whole new situation, a whole new vibe, office desk stuff. Um, not, not always a lot going on, but always something to do if you, if you know what I mean. So you have to make the most of your chances. Um, and I know like for every story like mine, where people, when people, you know, get a college degree, um, that is just like a general degree, uh, for every person like me who got an opportunity to put it to use and then even expand on it, I got a master's degree that was paid for by the air force for every person like me who ran to a great opportunity there's thousands of other millions of other people um, who got a general degree in there in like large amounts copious amounts of debt i still got some student loans and um they're not able to pay them off because they're not able to get a, a job that matches up with the degree and um the cost of living is going up so i understand that um i just feel like it's case by case. Let's see what's going on here. Uh, MLK Day. Respectfully. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well done is for good and faithful servants, not steaks. Okay. Well, um, that's, that's why I don't really eat steaks. Um, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> um, talking about uh it's pro football debate um i i i they're just like describing teams like and up in in phrases right like call of duty double xp weekends cardinals 
the Falcons are defined by 28 to 3. Ravens are defined by Billy Cundiff. I think as a kicker, but I don't know how they're defined. I don't know. Uh, Bills, 13 seconds. I, I don't know what that is. I'm thinking maybe that's like the, the uh, Music City Miracle, but I don't know. The Carolina, the fumble, the fumble from Cam Newton. The fumble from Cam Newton, the Super Bowl. We just talking about Cam Newton earlier. The double doink for the Chicago Bears. I think that playoff game, we had a double doink between the field goal. Pittsburgh 2015 playoff loss by the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't. I think the I think the Bengals have done a lot to overcome that situation. Like that situation, ever since they they, they were in the Super Bowl last year. And if, if, if you guys don't know, let me just be very clear. the The statistics for teams that are Super Bowl finalists and not champions. The, the statistics for them to go back to the Super Bowl, like just the finalists, the people who just who made it there, it's very low. It's very low. Um, a lot of them like just absolutely crumble, and so and a lot of times they don't even make it back to the to, to the playoffs. So the fact that the Bengals can make it back, I mean, I don't know. I feel like the Bengals should have won that Super Bowl too. I mean, like, yeah, it's such a good season that they had, like. Especially with like no offensive line and Joe Burrow having to like throw as quickly as possible not to get murdered, basically. Um, and him coming off ACL tear, and uh, I think that's just that's just rare. Uh, he almost had a trio of wide receivers catch a thousand yards. Um, that the last season, I mean, that just doesn't happen very often. That's happened like three or four times. Um, but yeah, I mean, I. I just wanted to talk, you know, talk up a little stuff, you know. Um, this is, uh, it's been good. I've got about 15 seconds. And uh, if you didn't know, you're talking with Tevin West and the Tevin West podcast until I find a, a better name. And uh, I will see you next time. I'm out.